Hey, you're listening to the GGC Life Podcast, weekly messages from our Sunday services. We hope this message encourages you. Be blessed. Well, hi, everyone. It is good to be with you and uh, be in your homes or wherever you're watching from. And we're going to be speaking uh, the Word of God and share the Word of God. Father, I thank you for your anointing that's already inside of me. Thank you for the anointing that's on every believer. And that you would give us spiritual ears to hear, Father, what you're saying to the church. And that you would rise us up to become more like Jesus. And would impact our city, our nation, and the nations of the world. And disciple people to, 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 to Christ. And we thank you for this, Father, in Jesus' name. Wonderful. Well, I want to I speak on a subject that we've been uh, talking for the last few weeks. Uh, our series that we, we're covering is faith. And in a, in a world that we're living in today and the world, the, what's happening around the world, we need faith more than ever. I mean, we always need faith, but to know what faith is, to walk in faith and, and to actually understand faith. You can't walk in something you don't understand. And so um, I want to speak on where is your faith? Where is your faith? And I'll, I'll expound on that in a moment. But I want to start with Matthew chapter 14, verse 23, 22, sorry. And it reads in your Bible this way, in um, the translation that I'm reading, is, is immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he, was, while he sent the crowds away. Now, again, we could read that and, and miss it. What, what's happening here? Jesus told his disciples to go to the other side. What, he gave his word. He gave His word is his will. So we know God's will and God's word is they should make it to the other side. True? Because Jesus says, go to the other side. After he had sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when he was evening, he was alone. But the boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, that's like three o'clock in the morning, three to six, actually. He, Jesus, came to them walking on the sea. Now, I don't know about you, but if you picture this moment and picture the reality of they're in this boat, they're fighting for their lives, they're in a massive storm, and now someone is walking on the water. They did not expect for Jesus to be walking on the water. The Bible says that uh, um, when the disciples saw him, saw Jesus walking on the sea, they were terrified. They were freaking out. It is a ghost, they said. They cried out in fear. They didn't expect Jesus, their Lord, their Master, their Messiah, to walk to them on the water. They, it was the furthest thing from their mind. And sometimes Jesus, uh, 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 he comes to us in a way that we did not expect him, that he's going to come that way. So, so allow Jesus to come to you in a way that you could not possibly expect him to come. I mean, they did not expect him to walk on the water. And immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, he says, take courage. It's I, it is I, do not be afraid. Because they're full of fear. They actually think it's a spirit. They think it's a ghost. By this time, they're shaking with fear. And, and Jesus, don't be afraid. Peter props up and says to him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. If it's you, come to me on the water. Now, every time I read this, I cannot help but think that our Lord, because it, it gives us a glimpse to his nature, gives us a glimpse to the heart of our Lord. And the Lord could have said, hang on, Peter, why do you want to walk on the water? There is no spiritual reason, motive significance no one's going to get healed no one's going to get set free no one's going to get saved nothing powerful is going to happen except peter walks on the water and does a supernatural thing like there's what, what's the reason for peter to walk on water 
Jesus had a reason. He was coming from the mountain of prayer with the Father to get to these disciples. Peter is saying, I just want to walk on water because you're there. And, and he wants to do something supernatural. And, G- and Jesus is amazing because he didn't say no. He could have said, no, Peter, you know, you're wrong motives. He just said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, Peter has the faith. Why does he have the faith? Because he says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And when he heard the word come, the power of the word from the words of Jesus, we know uh, is what he walked on. He never really walked on water. He walked on Jesus's word. Jesus is saying to him, come. He, he has the faith to forget in the natural. It's impossible to walk on water. He has to go against his natural reasoning that his mind is saying to him, don't walk on water. Your brain is saying it's impossible. Your brain, your eyes gets information from the physical world and it tells you, uh, you can't walk on water. That's an impossible thing. But he had to go against that. Why? Because of his faith in what Jesus said to him. Jesus said, come. So he gets out and walks on water as he goes towards Jesus. And as he goes towards Jesus, it says, but seeing the wind, Peter sees the wind and he became frightened and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus stretched out his hand, took took hold of him and said to him, oh, you, yes, you have little faith. Why did you doubt? You have little faith. When you look up this word little, it can also mean short-lived faith. Peter had short-lived faith. He had a burst of faith, but his faith didn't continue. We want to know why didn't his faith continue? Like, why did he have short-lived faith? And it says, why did you doubt? That word doubt means to duplicate or to do twice, to do twice or double. It gives us a picture of double thinking, double mindedness. That you're walking towards Jesus. You're doing, you're walking in faith. And all of a sudden you're questioning what you're doing because you look at the wind and you go, oh, the wind. And his eyes, his eyes got off of Jesus, off of his word. And what happened? He started to sink. So our faith, when we're walking in God, we, the way it works is we, tr- we hear God's word and we keep our eyes on God. If our eyes come off of God, this is a whole trick of the enemy. He wants to get our eyes off God, off the focus of the word that God has spoken to us personally out of relationship, personally out of intimacy. He's given us a word. Faith works when you're following his word. When you get your eyes off his word, get your eyes off what he had said to you, and you look at the circumstances, then your faith will be short-lived. Because we're talking about how do we live in this world and stay in faith when everything's trying to distract us, everything's trying to get our attention. And we know that Peter double, he double thought his faith. He, he, he got a second thought. He got a double mind, double mindedness. He questioned it. He doubted it. Hang on a sec. How can I be walking on water? The wind is pushing on me. He looks at the water, he looks at the wind, and he looks at the circumstances, and he got, he got off word of Jesus, the focus of Jesus, and he got onto circumstance and his faith was short-circuited. It stopped working. And so that's a really powerful example. Example Matthew 18 gives us another story. I just want to speak about faith and, and, and try to um, hone into where is our faith? Where is our faith? Look what it says in Matthew 18. Is that correct? No, Matthew 8. Sorry, my mistake. Matthew 8. This is the story of the storm and similar story in verse 18. It says, now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders 
to depart to the other side of the sea. Now he's saying, um, let's go to the other side of the sea. So again, he gave his word. Jesus gave his direction, gave his will. His word is his will. So we know it's the will of God for them to make it to the other side of this lake. Then a scribe came and, and we, certain things happened here. But then we're going to pick it up from verse 24. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea so that the boat was being covered with waves. But Jesus himself was asleep. Now, when you read other guys like Matthew, uh, when you read Mark's story, you read Luke's story, it says that the water was pouring into the boat. It says that Jesus went into the stern of the ship and went to sleep before the boat, uh, before the storm came, because it gives us that uh, uh, understanding. So Jesus goes to sleep, then a storm arose. So you think Jesus is in the stern of the boat, sleeping on a pillow, and now the storm is starting to build and rage and, and water pouring into the boat. And the disciples are starting to fear for their lives. And they came to him. They got to the place that it's, it's pouring in. There. I'm sure they're getting buckets and getting the water out of the boat. And they, they start to fear for their lives. They start to think, we're going to drown here. Uh, we, we're going to die. We better wake up Jesus. Someone must have thought, get Jesus, wake up Jesus. He's asleep. And, and they came to him and woke him. So they had to wake up Jesus. He's sleeping in the same storm that they are petrified in. They are fearing for their lives. They are freaking out and full of fear, worried because the storm's going to kill them and they're going to drown and Jesus is asleep. Same storm. It gives you a picture of perspective that someone like Jesus is in the same storm asleep and these guys are fearing for their lives. It's it's not the storm that we face. It's the perspective that you have in the storm. The fact that Jesus could sleep in the storm. Think about this. Why could he sleep in the storm? Because he had authority over the storm. And I heard others say that, you know, the, the storm you can sleep in is the storm that you have authority over. To the degree that you can rest, to the degree that you can relax, to, to the degree that you have peace, while you're facing storms that the world throwing at you will determine the, the degree that you have authority actually to speak to the storm and, 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 and pray against that thing. And so they woke him up and they said, save us, Lord. We are perishing. Save us, save us, save us. Uh, again, Matthew, uh, Mark, sorry, and Luke, that one of them says, um, uh, don't you care that we are perishing? It's like when you're going through a stormy situation and the, the waves of the world are beating on your boat, you know, the life of your boat, and, and it's beating and beating, and, it, and Jesus is asleep on the boat, and you wake him up, don't you care? Sometimes it makes us think, don't you even care what I'm going through? And Jesus wakes up and says these powerful words. He says, why are you afraid, you men of little faith? You men of little faith. And if you look it up in Luke 8, verse 25, same story told by Luke. Luke says this in the same incident in verse 25. And he said to them, Jesus said to them, where is your faith? And they being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what manner of man is this? Jesus stopped the storm. Let's, let's read the story. Jesus stopped the storm. Then he got up, rebuked the winds and the sea, and it became perfectly calm. Jesus said, wind, sea, stop. He spoke to the sea, spoke to the wind, and it stopped. A great calm came down because Jesus spoke the power of his word. And in Luke 8, verse 25, Jesus says, where is your faith? 
Now, there's some powerful words spoken by our creator, how God, the son of the living God, we're talking about God in the flesh. He says, where's your faith? Now, someone like Jesus, who's our God, cannot say that if they didn't have faith in that place, if they could not possibly have faith. In other words, they could have had faith. They should have had faith in that situation. And Jesus expected them to have faith. Please hear what I'm saying. Jesus is saying, where is your faith? How dare he ask that question if it was impossible for them to have faith in that situation? They should have had faith. Jesus did not ask this question. Jesus didn't say, where are your wings? And that's a silly question. Now, where are your wings? Why don't you have wings to fly and get out of here? Why wouldn't he ask that question? Because it's impossible for them to grow wings and fly out of there. True. What he says is, where is your faith? Because that is a question that should have been, uh, Jesus expected them to have faith. Where? I looked up the word where. It literally means, where means uh, a place. It's this word po, P-O-U in the Greek. At what locality is your faith? Think about faith as a local. It has to have a locality. It has to have a place. Where is your faith? At what place have you placed your faith? In other words, it's not in the right place. If it's not in the right place, it's in the wrong place. Do you hear me? I'll say it again. If it's not in the right place, it has to be in the wrong place. When your faith is in the right place, then it'll work. If your faith is misplaced and and it's in the wrong place, by default, faith won't work. Because Jesus asked that question. He's, he's wise. He's smart. He's God. He says, where is the locality of your faith? Not that you don't have faith, but where is it? Where did you put it? Can I tell you where I think they put it? They looked at the storm. Their eyes, their, their flesh, their physical person, their, 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 their eyes is, you know, takes on information into their flesh man, the physical person, the physical man. And they looked at the storm. They looked at the waves. They looked at the wind. They looked at the water coming into the boat. And they started to fear. Why? Because they took on information. Their faith became in the storm rather in the words of Jesus. What did we read earlier? Jesus actually said, we're going to the other side. So if their faith stayed focused on the words of Jesus, Jesus said, we're going to the other side. The storm wouldn't have shaken their faith. But their eyes got off of the words of Jesus and got onto the physical world. And the physical world was telling them, we're going to die, we're going to die, we're going to die. And faith diverts and turns into fear. So you're, because faith can only come from the heart. Faith can only come from your spirit man. So if your physical world instructs your information and then you operate out of your physical world, that's why the Bible says we, we walk by faith and not by sight. We're not supposed to take the physical world information and let it, because let it let it influence our thinking and then we re, faith turns into fear so that's what the enemy wants so so it's really really important that we understand when when they got their eyes off the words of jesus because jesus did say to them just earlier we're going to the other side they should have remained at peace and say hang on jesus said we're going to the other side storm stop jesus expected them to use their faith storm still now in jesus name Let's look at um, Mark 11 really quickly. Mark 11. It just gets better when you see the words of um, Jesus. Mark 11 verse. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. All right. This is the story of Jesus going to Jerusalem from Bethany. And verse 11, we pick it up. Jesus enters Jerusalem and came into the temple. And after looking around at everything, he left for Bethany 
with the 12 since it was already late. On the next day, when they had left Bethany, he became hungry. He's seen at a distance a fig tree in leaf and went to see if perhaps he would find anything in it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. He was hungry, goes to the, walks towards the tree, and because it's full of leaf, it should have figs, but it doesn't have figs. And so Jesus says something. He says this, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Jesus spoke words. Jesus, knowing the words that he speak would be so powerful that this tree would shrivel up and wither from its roots. Jesus knew that because he knows how faith works. In other words, imagine if I was to say to you that when you, your words speak, it has power and you will get what you say. If I was to say to you, the words that you speak, if you know, you would watch what we say, if we would say something, we know it's going to happen. That's why a lot of us don't have power in our words because we don't use our words correctly. We say things like you idiot, you stupid idiot. And you, if you have power in your words, you turn that person as a stupid idiot. And so God doesn't give us that power because we don't realize we actually have power. You've got to know that the words you speak. Jesus just said, no one will eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And all it says is that his disciples were listening. Disciples were listening. Why does it say that? He goes into Jerusalem, does some things in the temple. Um, that's when he says, my house shall be called a house of prayer. You made it a den of thieves, turns the, the tables upside down. Then he goes in verse, um, verse 20. As they were passing by the morning, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots up. So Peter and the disciples and Jesus are walking past. Jesus doesn't bring it up, but Peter sees that same tree. Yesterday morning, Jesus spoke, no one's going to eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And from that same morning, uh, the next morning, Peter says, being reminded, Peter said to him, Rabbi, to Jesus, look, the fig tree which you cursed is withered. Now, Peter uses the word cursed. But Jesus just spoke his word. All he did is spoke something out. And the words are so powerful that the tree stopped, started to die. Because Jesus said, no one's going to eat fruit from you hereafter forever. And Jesus says and answered and uses this, this um, tree shriveling up from the root because Jesus spoke out. He uses it as an object lesson, basically. And he says, have faith in God. Now, that, that's not a strong translation. It's not the right translation. The right translation is have the faith of God. I looked up the word in. It means to have, to hold or possess God's faith. So basically, Jesus is trying to say, have the faith that God has. Have the faith of God. Possess the same faith that God operates. This is the way God operates. And so Jesus is saying, truly, I say to you, whosoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea. Now, it's saying you've got, to give, you've got to give your faith a purpose. Whoever says to this mountain, mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, tell it what to do. What did Jesus do in the storm? He spoke to the wind and he told it what to do. Simple instructions. Wind, stop. Waves, stop. And, and they did. And so the tree, what did he do? He spoke to the tree. Yes, from hereafter, no one's going to eat fruit from you hereafter forever. So speaking to the mountain, it's, it's giving your faith direction and telling um, your words and faith what to do. Be taken up and cast into the sea. He says, if you, if you do this, whosoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. 
Now, it's not about doubting in your mind. This is where people mess up when they think, what about if I have doubts in my mind? You can, you can have doubts with your mind and still faith can operate. Faith operates out of your heart, not from your mind. So, so it does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says is going to happen. It will be granted him. Believes that those things he says shall come to pass. He will have, this is the proper translation, he will have whatever he says. So if you do not doubt in your heart, so what did Jesus do when he said, from hereafter, no one's going to eat fruit from you forever. When Jesus said that, from hereafter, no one's going to eat fruit from you. He did not doubt in his heart, but he believed that those things he said was going to come to pass. He's saying, you shall have whatever you say. Jesus is using that as an object lesson. He's saying, faith is this, from your heart, speak, speak, give it your heart direction. Where is your faith? In this, when they were in the storm and Jesus asked that question because they were full of fear and they were afraid and they're waking him up. Don't you care that we're perishing? When Jesus, Jesus said, where is your faith? Their faith wasn't in God's word. They lost, they missed, they displaced their faith and they put their faith in the storm. Now, this is true of all the incidences in the Bible. In Numbers 14, Numbers 14, where are you? All right, Numbers 14, we see the story of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt, going into the, um, supposed to go into the promised land. Remember the 12 spies, the 10 came back, bad report, negative report, because they thought that the giants were big. They thought, no way, these are fortified cities. They've got armies, they're strong. So what are they doing again? They're misplacing their faith. They're supposed to have faith. God expected them to have faith. But they were fearful of the army. They thought, no, these guys are giants. They actually saw them. They're giants. They're forgetting that God opened up the Red Sea. They're forgetting that God did 10 plagues in Egypt. They're forgetting that God split the Red Sea and all of the army of children of Israel uh, of Egypt were destroyed in that Red Sea. They're forgetting God's word, God's promise that God said to him, I'm giving you the promised land. And they're putting their faith. Their faith is misplaced. And they're looking at the wrong place. They're looking at the circumstances, looking in the natural they're letting their natural mind come into their natural minds are getting information from their brain goes into their spirit and reacts in fear. And so what did they end up saying? God said to them in numbers 14, God said to Moses, tell these children of Israel that are walking in disobedience, complaining, murmuring. They're all saying it's better to go back into Egypt. We should have died there. You know, why'd you bring us out here to kill us out here? They're all negative, all full of fear because of what their misplaced faith was not in God's word, but in circumstances. And that, and because they looked at the natural, that became so big that the enemy was so large, so great. And the, the giants are so powerful and they lost their faith in God's word because they let the natural feed their mind, their flesh, and it, dis, and it actually creates fear in their spirit. Faith diverts to fear. And so what do they say? Say, they say to them, this is what God said to them through Moses, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will surely do to you. Just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. God is saying, just like you said, you're going to die in the wilderness. Well, guess what? I'm going to give you what you say because you're full of fear. You've got your eyes of God's word, and now you're saying what you see. Even though what they see is real, it's really there, but God is more powerful. God is greater than the enemies. And because they said they were going to die in the wilderness, God says, I'm going to give you what you say. That's a powerful example of, of what we end up speaking because of the getting in the eyes of God. You know, like the coronavirus, you know, 
we can get so people can i mean we know the world is full of fear i walk down the street i go for prayer walks all the time i walk down the street people go off the footpath onto the road and make sure they bypass me what's that that's fear it's nothing but fear they're wearing masks you know outside and all this and i understand it's a real disease i'm not saying that but i when i put on a mask the reason why i put on a mask is not because i'm afraid of a disease that disease can't touch us as the of children of God. You got to put your faith out for that. But I put it on one because the, the law says to put it on. And so I don't want to break the law. Second, if I walked out into a shopping center and I didn't have it on, everyone's full of fear. They won't even talk to you. And then I lose my witness. I can't talk to them. And if you, and, and, and they'll tell you off as well because they're full of fear. And so I will put it on out of love because other people are out of fear. So if I was on an airplane, I'd put it on because out of love, because everyone else is in fear, I want to be able to witness to them. I want to be able to speak to them in love. I want to be able to connect with them. And, and they will ride you off as um, crazy if you didn't wear a mask. And so I will do it for the sake of love and faith and to share the gospel, but not because of fear. I don't do it for fear. I'm just trying to help us see that we, let's not fall into the spirit of fear that the world's operating in. We're not afraid of a flu. No way in the world. But why would I wear a mask? Is so I can share the gospel. So I can obey the law and be able to witness and connect with people. And so look what it says in um, uh, Exodus 14. Exodus 14. We're talking about walking by faith, but where is your faith? If your faith isn't in the right place, it'll be displaced. And because it's not in the, where it should be, it can't operate. It has to be in your heart and it has to be focused on Jesus's word, what he has personally said to you. God has personally said something to us as a church, as an eldership team. We've sought God. We've you know, been praying and seeking for actually over a year that um, the building we are to purchase is in Catherine Street, Leichhardt, to Catherine Street, Leichhardt. So God has spoken in August last year. We're talking about a whole year process of trusting God, what he has said. So there have been times where it looked like the deal's on and, and, and yes, without the closing. Other times the owner got closed off to it. And, no, no, and other times... It was way off, like he wants to build a motel there and a hotel. And, and there would look like it, we were never going to close the deal. We're talking about in last year in January and so <laughs> on. And then, and then so you can't um, be moved up and down. It's, if God has said it, and there'll be times where people don't agree that it's the right building and they don't have peace about it. But you got to believe, God, this is what you've said. And if God has said it, you go through the process, keep your eyes on God's word, and you walk through in peace. You walk through, my faith is in God's word, not in circumstances. Uh, there was a time where we, as a church, had to raise $550,000 in a three-month period. And now we are almost there. We are a shy away, uh, like $90,000 off the, the, the goal that we've been going for. And on top of that, we have to trust God for renovation money. And so we believe in God for money that comes in to be able to renovate the building. Then we've got to be to pay off the building. But we take one obstacle at a, at its time, one faith goal at a time, and say, God, we're being obedient to you. So whenever my the enemy tries to lie to me, because in the natural, I'm hearing stuff. I'm hearing wrong information. I'm hearing information that's telling me, hey, it's not going to happen. I'm talking about a while ago. Uh, I would say, God, this is what your word says. God, your prophetic words. I remind God of the prophetic words. God, your word said this. I've got these words about this building. And I would remind the Lord and I do warfare by the prophetic words that have been spoken over our life. So here in number, uh, sorry, Exodus 14, this is a powerful story. Just really quickly, it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying to the sons of Israel, to turn back and camp before Pi-Hitharoth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Bel-Zephon 
opposite by the sea. Now, when you look up the word Pi-Hotharath, it actually means mouth of the gorges. It also means cavity or socket or den or cave. And basically God's saying, I want you to go through the mouth of the gorges. I want you to go through. And when you get through it, you'll get to the Red Sea. And then, and then you'll be actually caved in. You'll be trapped by the sea and the gorges. There's no way out. Basically, it's like a, it's a, a one-way street. Uh, uh, sorry, a, yeah, a dead-end street. You're going in. You can't get out unless you turn around and come back out. And so God says this, and he says, For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, they are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. So he, he purposely, God purposely said, I want you to go this route, go into the gorge of the, of, uh, the mouth of the gorge, go through, and the Red Sea will be there. And so they did that. Moses directed them as God told them. And they go in, and now they're camped at the Red Sea. And, and the Bible says God stirs up Pharaoh and all that sort of stuff. Pharaoh comes with all the army, and they're coming from a distance. The cloud moves from the front of them to the back of them to protect them from the army to the children of Israel. They've got the Red Sea in front of them. And so now from a distance, they can see the enemy coming. Now, watch faith work. Because remember, in Hebrews 11, it says that by faith, they came out of Egypt. By faith, it says that they sacrificed the lamb and put the, the, the blood on the doorpost. Now, that was a great victory. When they're in Egypt, that's a great victory. When you put the blood of the lamb on your doorpost and you eat the animal in the, in the confinements of lockdown of your house, and then the angel of death comes and everyone's firstborn dies, and there's a great cry out in the, in, in the, in the city. Everyone's crying and weeping because they lost their firstborn son and firstborn animal even and firstborn everything. And, and, and then when they finally they said, get packed, get all your stuff, ask the children of uh, Egypt, for their gold and their silver, they did. They got all their gold and their silver. They, they, they spoiled the Egyptians. Massive, massive wealth transfer. And they walked out. That was a great moment. That's a great victory. That's like, we did it. Yay. They would have celebrated. They would have sent, sent, um, sung songs. And it was a great moment of faith, a great moment of victory. Because they heard God's voice, God's direction. They obeyed. And it was a powerful moment. They got protected by the angel of death and everyone else. So on. And now they're walking out. Now, I don't know how long later, days later, weeks later, they're at the Red Sea, trapped. The army's coming again. Their eyes, their, their faith is getting misplaced. Their faith is getting off God's word because God said he would protect them. God said he would take them into the promised land. God promised them that. And now the guys, eyes are on the enemy and the enemy's coming. And when you see the Egyptian army with all their chariots and all their swords and all their shields and all their you know arrows and, and you see them with all their spears and you see them coming and you think oh no their physical information coming into their physical man flesh is giving information to their spirit they're reacting in fear again and so we pick that up from um, verse uh, verse nine then it, the Egyptians chase after them with all the horses and the chariots of Pharaoh his horsemen and his army, and they overtook them camping by the sea beside Pihathiroth, that's that mountain of the gorge. And as Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. They became very frightened because they saw their misplaced faith is they're getting eyes off God's word, God's promises, what God has said to them, and they're looking in the natural because it looks like that's, that's contrary to God's promises. Hang on a sec. The army's going after us again. And, and, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. 
then they said to Moses, is it because there was no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we spoke to in Egypt saying, leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. It's like, we didn't, didn't we tell you to leave us alone? They're actually saying it would have been better to be slaves of the Egyptians than be out here. We're going to die now. Weren't there enough graves in Egypt? Why are you bringing us here to kill us? Full of fear. They, they misplace their faith and faith turns into fear. But Moses said to the people, do not fear. Now, Moses says this by faith. He, I don't think for sure. We'll find out when we get to heaven. You can ask Moses. But I don't think for sure that Moses knew what God was going to do. The way it reads, it looks like, but Moses said to the people, do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, will never you will never see them again forever. He says, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? So, so Moses must have went to the Lord and stuff saying, God, come on, people, the Egyptians, come on, you told us to get out of here. And the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Tell the sons of Israel to go forward. As for you, lift up your stuff. Now it gives him direction. Lift up your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the sons of Israel shall go through the midst of the sea on dry ground. So he had to lift up his staff. That speaks of exercise your authority. Speak to the sea. There's your speak to the mountain. Tell it what to do. Split. And he moves the staff. God had used Moses' faith. And even though God, Moses was getting instructions from God, that's God's word, God's promise. He spoke it. The Red Sea opens up and becomes a wall of water. Now, when you see the whole army of children of Israel walking across, as the miracle has started, you're walking through. Sometimes faith feels like that. You're walking through. The Red Sea is open. You know this is a miracle. You know this is God. But it's it's a bit trepid, it's trepidizing in your mind when you think the walls could come down at any moment. Those children of Israel had to walk through thinking with all their family, with all their children, all the old elderly, walking through all the animals going, what happens if this falls down? We're dead. And they had their faith in God's word still. They had to trust God's word. And they got through. The Egyptian army came and the water came down. And it was, a, again, God's word never fails. So my question is to us, where is your faith? Is it in God's word, his personal promise? out of relationship, out of intimacy, out of hearing his voice to you, and you stand true to that word, or do you get your eyes misplaced, your faith misplaced from the word, and you put it into the natural world? Stay in faith. Every promise, the blood of Jesus tells us we have, we have, we have access to the presence of God. Why? Because the word of God says the blood has washed us, cleansed us, and because of the blood, we come boldly into the throne of God's grace. <laughs> We exercise this faith all the time in every area of our life. In fact, it's a multi-purpose, uh, multi-facet style of our faith is operating in every area with my wife, with my children, with my faith, with my health, with, with everything we do. We walk by faith, not by sight. We put our eyes on his word and we apply that word. We live that word. We practice that word. Trust this has helped you. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you for your people. Thank you for every single person that's listened to this word, this message, that people will be stirred in their faith, encouraged in their faith. And if they've got a sickness in their body, they'll, they'll right now, Father, we speak to the sickness in the name of Jesus. We speak to the pain. We command it to leave their bodies. We put our faith in your word that by your stripes we were healed. 
you brought our sicknesses, Lord Jesus. You carried our diseases. We receive your word and receive healing in our physical body. We receive peace in our mind. We receive your presence in our heart by faith right now. been listening to the ggc life podcast we hope this message has encouraged you for more please visit our website ggclife.com or email us ggclife at ggclife.com from our house to yours be blessed